0: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
1: Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries. And we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Is Torah for All Believers? This is part one of the series. Shalom, everybody. I would like to uh, share with you a very important and informative article put out by Lion and lamb ministries in monte judah in the march 2008 issue of yavo magazine the article is answering the question is the torah for all people this is a very important question because orthodox judaism doesn't teach that the 613 commandment is for all believers in the god of israel who's in covenant relationship with him they say it's just for Jews Non-Jews are only supposed to keep the seven laws of Noah. And Messianic Judaism, they also teach that the Torah is not for non-Jews. Traditional Christianity teaches that the Torah is old. That was part of Old Covenant. That was plan A. They didn't work out. We're on plan B now, which means we don't need to follow the Torah. But what does the Bible really say? What did the Messiah really teach? Is the Torah for all people? Well, for those of you who have participated in a traditional Sabbath service, when you take the Torah out of the ark, it's traditional to recite Isaiah in chapter 2 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3, which says, And many people will go and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is a prophecy of the Messianic era. It's a prophecy that the Messiah will be leading and teaching and bringing all people in the world to following the Torah. So how is it that Orthodox Jews can take the Torah out of the Torah scroll each week and recite that verse and still not believe that the Torah is not for all people. And how could Christians believe in a Messianic era and believe that the Messiah will rule and reign during a Messianic era? And and not understand that the Messiah, what he's got to be teaching is Torah. And so, you know, we have some things that's really not too complicated, that we find quite complicated. How is it the Messiah said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we are not biblically astute enough to know that keeping commandments means following Torah. So on a very basic level... We should understand that following the God of Israel, following Messiah, is following Torah. You know, if we just understood the definition of sin, which is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. If in order to sin you have to transgress the law, it becomes pretty simple that in order to not sin, you got to follow the law. So, if the God of Israel doesn't want us to be sinners, then therefore it becomes very simple to understand that we should be following Torah. It shouldn't take rocket sciences, but it takes Religious leaders and religious institutions to make something that's so simple in the Bible—what sin is, what keeping commandments are—to explain to people that it actually means you're not supposed to follow Torah. Now, many in this walk who've come out of the traditional church, something gets on fire in your hearts for the Hebraic roots, and it's different for different people. Some people it starts by a love for the land, a love for Jerusalem, a love for the Jewish people, a love. For for the Hebrew language, uh, a love for the festivals, a love for the Sabbath, wondering why we don't keep Torah. You know, for different people, the God of Israel uses different things to stir that spark or that flame within them to begin them on their journey. And so their heads then want to pursue what's in their heart because their heads don't completely understand so they go out and start to learn and so they get on the internet they read books and they, they they get on pal talk and they realize we need to be following torah but then they want to find a local congregation local fellowship and for some there's not fellowships in every area where you are and some at this point in their walk they don't know the difference between messianic judaism and following hebrew roots they don't know know that if you go to a messianic congregation and uh, they have a litmus test when you walk through the door oh you believe in two house bye oh you're a gentile and you want to follow torah well we'll quietly tell you that if you want to stay you can stay and hang around as long as you stay around long enough to put money in the plate but we really don't want you to be following torah you know love us and help us put money in the plate but kind of like stay over on the other side of the street stay where you belong celebrating christmas and easter and and eating pigs you know it's okay for For you to do that because, you know, they advocate the policy of separate but equal. And then, so you have something in your heart that you're pursuing, but then as you pursue it, it gives you a headache because you hear all types of these conflicting things. And so it becomes a challenge, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this. So this is in part what the article addresses, that Torah is for all people. So let me begin by reading the article. Once again, this comes from Lion and Lamb Ministries. It's... Is written by Monty Judah. The website of Lion and Lamb Ministries is lionlamb. That's one word. Lionlamb.net. I would like to read for you the article written by Monty Judah. It begins with the headline: "Torah is it for all people?" The article says: "Is Torah for everyone, or is it just for Jews?" This is a major question facing many Messianic brethren today. It is the same question that was raised in the New Testament. It has to To do with those who are physical Jews, those who are biologically born of Israel versus those who are physically Gentile and biologically born of the nations. Both groups are present in Messianic Hebrew Roots congregation and a vast majority are non-Jewish. I say non-Jewish because according to the Bible, there are two groups that constitute physical Israel. That would be the house of Judah, or the Jews, and the house of Israel, or the Ephraimites, or the Israelites, or those for the ten tribes however the question we are addressing is not about the two houses rather I am referring to the question in Acts 15 concerning the law of Moses and the Gentiles clearly the Torah was given to all Israel that means all of the 12 tribes via Moses there's no question about that but Gentiles who come to trust in the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob who believe and trust in the Messiah's redemption which commandments are they to follow is the the Torah for everyone of faith or is it just for physical Israel. You would think that the real conflict in any messianic congregation would be the debate over replacement theology. The church has advocated for centuries that Messiah did away with Jerusalem in the temple service, the custom of Moses, and the law of Moses. They found out that, quote unquote, Jesus was the final sacrifice, and quote unquote, we are not under the law. They would argue that there is no more obedience to the law. That would be, they say, legalism. And everything is now covered by... grace. The church has historically taken the position that they, primarily Gentile believers, are not to be keeping the Torah. That is for Jews. And Jesus did away with it. It is because of the church arguments that many brethren became Messianic, or Hebrew roots. They walked away because the church's position is directly refuted by the Messiah himself in the New Testament. Yeshua's statement about not even thinking that he came to do away with the law or the Torah rings supreme over any pasture or historical church father. Furthermore, Messianic brethren can easily see that the very basis of the New Testament teaching is laced with quotations and truth that originate from the Torah and the prophets. Logically, you can't say that the law is annulled while at the same time quoting it as the reference and basis for New Testament truth. Many Messianic brethren have succeeded in getting into a Torah study and discovered that there is no conflict with the law of Moses in the New Covenant. Instead, they have found the truth true foundational prophecies proving the act of the promised Messiah. Their new covenant faith has grown and matured beyond the party line of their previous denominational church. Some of this maturing has also including the observance of Sabbath and festivals, keeping kosher, and abandoning quote-unquote replacement theology. They have discovered that the issue of commandments in Gentiles is addressed by the quote-unquote letter to the Gentiles issued by the Apostle James, Peter, and Paul in Acts 15. It is explicit in stating how the Gentiles are to be a part of the New Covenant Fellowship in their relationship with the Torah. This passage is at the core of the misunderstanding for many modern messianic leaders. In shedding the replacement theology of the historical church, they have failed to renew the writing of the law on their hearts as the new covenant promised. They have not established their faith in the Messiah beginning with God's promise of a son from the Torah. As a consequence, they do not understand the law of God nor the relationship that God established with all who join. In the ranks of Israel. Therefore, it is only natural that misunderstanding should occur and that the early leaders in particular would take such a negative position toward, for example, the two-house teaching and the restoration of the whole house of Israel. They are completely behind the power curve in understanding the Torah and the inclusion of Gentile believers, which the Torah calls aliens and sojourners. Stepping back for a moment, this is the real reason why... Why the two-house teaching is in dispute. Teaching Torah to every Messianic or Hebrew roots believer encourages everyone to find their root in Israel, the heritage of Jacob, and to be a part of the remnant by faith. It means that there is no more distinction between a Jew and a Gentile in the New Covenant faith. Where have you heard that subject before? Some Messianic Jewish leaders still hold to the church's teaching that the Torah is not for Gentiles. Adding a racist element to that air, some Messianic Jewish leaders have argued that the Jews have a quote-unquote unique calling and that they are being diluted in the Messianic movement by all of those non-Jews hanging around. Further stated, their goals are to be a part of the greater Jewish community by advocating quote-unquote Messianic Judaism. They want unbelieving Jews to feel quote-unquote at home with them without a realm. They have Seated and garnering the support from other evangelical church leaders for this agenda and approach. A de facto agreement has taken shape. The Messianic Jewish leaders want all of the Jewish believers and they will let the evangelical church leaders have all the Gentile believers. Quote, unquote. Oh, the Gentile believers can come in for a visit, give their money and time to help build our congregation and ministries, but in the long run, they belong over there with the Christians. Unquote. As long as the Messianic Jews don't take issue with what the church is doing, everything works out pretty well. However, the arrangement is perverse and contrary to the scriptures. The fly in the ointment here is of course the other Messianic brethren, former church members who share common experiences of being ostracized and spurned by the church leaders because they would dare to learn God's commandments. In particular, these other Messianic brethren have learned to keep Sabbath and festivals. He's speaking about us, non-Jews. They have learned about kosher and nighting pork and shellfish. They have begun to see a different eschatology. Instead of a rapture of the glorious church, they are anticipating the Messiah who gathers his flock to the land and returns to Jerusalem. It is understandable that they want to share these exciting things that they have learned from the New Testament with their church brethren. But doing so brings into serious question the observance of Sunday as a replacement for Sabbath messianic brethren quickly learn how the church fathers adopted the sun god worship day to consolidate the early Christian converts and then there was Easter a complete distortion of the messianic story of salvation and deliverance as the Lamb of God the resurrection and the Messiah on the first day after the Sabbath in no way annuls the Sabbath the Lord's day the Messiah is the Lord of the Sabbath is completely distorted because of the Messiah's resurrection on the Feast of First Fruits. If you don't know what the Feast of Firstfruits is from the Torah teaching, it will be very confusing at this point. That is why we have the problem to begin with. As a consequence, the churchmen are offended and concerned that they are doing something that God never said to do. That they have been duped by the traditions of men. Add to that the questions of Christmas and its idolatrous practices mixed with paganism and it's just too much. At this point, Messianics are Hebrew roots people are shown the door escorted by a very unhappy Easter bunny and not so jolly Santa Claus. Many Messianic brethren have gone out the door of their former church this way. However, once they visit some well-established Messianic assemblies, they are shocked to find Messianic Jewish leaders who think they are wrong for questioning church observances. Specifically, some Messianic Jewish leaders question them as to why they are learning the Torah and keep Keeping sabbath themselves instead of welcoming these messianic brethren who have been scorned by their churches for keeping the commandments of God these leaders impugn them for keeping them if you are reading this and saying that that just doesn't happen in your messianic assembly and I hope it does not let me assure you that leadership within the messianic Jewish Alliance of America the union of messianic Jewish congregations and Tikkun ministries run by Dan juster do practice this and have believed this from the beginning. The dispute over the two-house teaching is not about an eschatology point of view. Instead, its very roots are about whether the Torah should be taught to everyone. Let's examine for a moment their position and rationale. They believe that it is okay for church folks to observe Sunday as a replacement for Sabbath. They believe that Christians can eat pork and whatever they want. They Christmas and Easter, or Halloween for that matter. They argue that everything is based on context in parenthesis they love Jesus in Israel so there is nothing wrong here end of parenthesis. Everything is really a matter of the heart and Messiah really did set up things this way as I said before they advocate that Jews have been given a quote unquote unique calling that the Gentiles even believers in the Messiah are not a part of. One particular leader actually says that a Gentile trying to keep the Torah is an example of quote unquote flaky in And is not what they started or authorized when they started the Messianic movement years ago. Again, this relates back to Acts chapter 15, the letter to the Gentiles and how they read it. So let's take a look at this famous letter written by the Apostle James with the agreement of Peter and Paul. Acts chapter 15 verses 19 through 21 says, Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. But that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, and from fornication, and from what is strangled, and from blood. For Moses, from ancient generations, has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. According to these Messianic Jewish leaders and Evangelical church leaders, this letter clearly takes issue with Gentile believers keeping the law of Moses and the Torah. It only lists four restrictions, right? Let's review this list. Number one, idolatry. Number two, fornication. Number three, strangulation. Number four, blood. At this point, there is no additional instruction or meaning to this letter. It is only used to say that Gentile believers are not to follow the Torah and all of its commandments. But what is the truth here? What did James really say? First, let's remind everyone that James knew the law of Moses just as Peter and Paul did. It was their custom to keep all the commandments of the law. James will encourage Paul in Acts 22 to go to the temple so that everyone will see that he quote unquote walks orderly and keeping the law. There is a particular teaching in the Torah that stands out emphatically. In fact, Torah teachers refer to it as the quote unquote heart of the law. It is very near the middle of Leviticus 17 and 18. There are three topics that are addressed to the native born, that is the Israelis, and to the aliens, that would be Gentiles. They are both native or alien to keep the exact same commandments concerning any practice of idolatry. In particular, they are only to worship the Lord In the way that the Lord specifies, they are not permitted to mix in any way other forms of worship from other religions with the worship of the Lord. Secondly, both the native and the alien are not to eat detestable things, even clean animals that have been strangled, whereas their blood has not been vacated from the animal. Finally, Leviticus 18 specifically addressed various forms of sexual perversions that include incest homosexuality, and bestiality. Again, the commandments is given to the native-born as well as the alien. Torah teachers, in parentheses, especially those from Judaism, will tell you that these are essentials. No person committing these transgressions may participate in any way with the worship of the Lord. The question in Acts 15 addresses what should be instructed to the Gentile believers. The answer is what are essential to be a part of any Jewish assembly. The final statement by James removes any doubt about this interpretation by encouraging every Gentile believer to seek out the instruction of Moses offered in every city on every Sabbath Acts chapter 15 verse 21 in other words the Gentiles in the faith are to begin with the essentials of the law and then be instructed in the Torah of Moses on a weekly basis oh my how churchmen have gotten this all turned around as I have visited many brethren and congregations in my ministry I have asked how many have ever heard the letter to the Gentiles taught and shown the direct parallel to Leviticus 17 and 18 the answer has been quote-unquote none. How is that possible? It is clearly in the Bible. The answer is simple. The church has already taken a position against the teaching of the Torah. Why would they point out the opposite teaching to their position? But now let's examine why the early Messianic Jewish leaders have followed suit with the churchmen. I think there are two reasons. Number one, they don't know what the Torah really teaches about the Gentiles or aliens. Number two, they want the favor of christian leaders to support their agenda for exclusive messianic judaism now let's examine what the torah really says about gentiles in the faith do you remember that earlier we said physical descendancy is not the path to being in the heritage of abraham it is not the ticket into god's house many are physically born israel but only the quote-unquote children of promise are considered to be the quote-unquote remnant of Israel. Paul says that the quote-unquote remnant of Israel includes those from Jerusalem, that would be the house of Judah, and those from among the Gentiles, that would be the house of Israel, or the ten tribes. In Romans chapter 9, verse 24, even us whom he has called not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. The remnant of Israel includes the children of promise from the Jews and the children of promise from among the Gentiles but they are all part of the same children of promise that would be the remnant of Israel what is God's plan for mankind in particular when God gave the Torah to Israel what part does it play in his great plan for everyone and finally how does the Messiah and the Torah work together leading to his kingdom first God wants all of mankind to enjoy his blessings and live he commanded all men to quote-unquote to be fruitful and to multiply unquote. He quote-unquote blessed his creation all of it including the Sabbath. Of course what's being referred here is Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. This was before the law was given to Moses and the children of Israel. Through Abraham he promised to establish his family to be a blessing for quote-unquote all the families of the earth. He promised a miracle son born to him representing the miracle son for all the families of the earth. Abraham prophesied to all of us that God would provide quote-unquote a lamb in that place where Isaac was to be offered to God. Abraham's heritage was carried to the next generation in Isaac, from him to Jacob, and from Jacob to his children. Along the way, God also asserted a foundational truth concerning his chosen people. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, Is Torah for all believers. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.